0: Hello, hello, hello. This is the Vanilla JavaScript Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ferdinandi. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about polyfills, why they're awesome, and how to use them. Polyfill is a term coined by Remy Sharp for a snippet of code that adds support for a feature to browsers that don't offer it natively. They let you use modern JavaScript features in your browser right now, while supporting more browsers, and without the need to use something like Babel to compile your code ahead of time and transform it into a code that works in older browsers. You can just write in modern native JavaScript and have it work. Polyfills, believe it or not, can actually be a bit polarizing. A lot of web developers who came up in the age of the web as an application platform rather than a document sharing platform, like I did, because uh, I'm old, um, aren't fans of polyfills. They add weight to the code base, and can't people just upgrade their browser anyways? It's free. Here's the thing. The web is for everyone. No, like literally everyone. Corporate users stuck on IE8 because of some shitty legacy homegrown software that won't run anything newer. People on older versions of Windows that won't run anything past IE9 and who can't afford to upgrade. Mobile-only users on hand-me-down Blackberries. This is a fundamental part of why I love the web. It's for everyone. And so that means that if there's a polyfill that lets me extend support for a feature back to more users, I will. Doesn't that bloat the code a little bit? Um, It does a little, but honestly, not that much. Most polyfills are pretty small, especially after you minify and gzip them. And even a good handful of them are certainly smaller than today's most popular frameworks and libraries. If you're writing vanilla javascript, they have almost no, or they have no perceivable impact on performance and a few extra kilobytes of data for huge wins in compatibility is a huge huge advantage. And using polyfills often means that you can use all the cool new native javascript methods and browser APIs instead of that fancy new framework to build awesome stuff just as easily but with less code. The real beauty here, though, is that polyfills are meant to be deleted. By their very nature, they're temporary. A helper function is permanent. It becomes part of the code base, deeply woven into various areas of your code. A polyfill only extends native features. So when support is better and you feel like it's time, you can just delete them out, and your code base otherwise remains untouched. So how do you use a polyfill? I, I talk about them a lot, but I often have people ask me how you actually use them. Um, and it's it's absurdly simple. You just drop the polyfill, this little snippet of code into your code base, ideally before any code that uses the JavaScript method or browser API that you're polyfilling. You really want to include these globally so you wouldn't necessarily scope them inside a plugin or anything like that. You just Um, make them accessible to all of the scripts that you have in your code base. That way they can all take advantage of them and you only have to add them once. Um, Once I get people sufficiently hyped up about polyfills, they naturally want to know where you can find them. This is where things get just a little bit more challenging. Um, They're kind of scattered around the web. So the Mozilla Developer Network is a really great place to learn about JavaScript APIs and they'll often include links to polyfills if, if they exist or are needed or are available. GitHub is also filled with polyfills of varying quality. Um, I will often look at the existing issues on the polyfills and the number of stars in evaluating whether they're any good or not, Um, because sometimes you get polyfills that give you no information about what browsers they support back to, or um, they don't work the way they're supposed to, so GitHub's a little bit of a roll of the dice here. Uh, Remy Sharp, who coined the term, also maintains a list of his own polyfills, and literally anything he writes is awesome, Um, so I just kind of trust those implicitly. However, since these are scattered all around the web, I started pulling them all together into a single location over at VanillaJSToolkit.com. That's VanillaJSToolkit.com. You can also find code snippets, boilerplates, helper functions, and more over there. It's my personal collection of vanilla JavaScript resources. Um, Finally, after a while, you may start to feel comfortable writing your own. I recently did that for the Validity State API after I wasn't able to find a polyfill anywhere else. Um, And one thing I would um, be totally missing the mark on if I didn't talk about is automatic polyfilling. Um, There's this amazing new resource that I've started using on projects, polyfill.io. This is the Financial Times personal um, polyfilling service and it can push support back as far as IE7. Um, It is absolutely amazing. You add it to your site with a script tag. There's no complicated NPM install module loading junk to worry about. It's just a script tag loaded from a CDN really fast. It detects which browser your visitor is using and automatically serves up just the polyfills that they need. So on the latest version of Chrome, you get nothing. And on IE7, it's going to send back about 15 kilobytes of code Uh, minified and gzipped, which amazingly is less than half the size of jQuery, also minified and gzipped, and with much broader browser support. Um, So it's just a total win. It's a no-brainer to use it. Um, I started using it on almost every project that I do, and uh, I can't say enough great things about it. So that's it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, Make sure you head over to VanillaJSPodcast.com and sign up for email updates if you haven't. It's also the best way to get in touch with me if you have any ideas for future shows, you want to ask questions or give me feedback. Um, Till next time, have a great day. Cheers.